another episode of the snap no tap podcast i'm tony Cicchini, along with our great joe cardinal no guests today um and we we uh we had a guest last week and then there was there was technical issues with the podcast so it, we're just going to have to reschedule is that gentleman going to going to come back on the show at a later date joe oh absolutely he's very excited to be on and, and you know i just want to say first of all uh thank you for covering for me because you know you said it was technical difficulties but it was my fault you know i didn't honor we have kind of a gentleman's agreement here uh that i keep myself to a two drink minimum before we start <laughs> podcasting and you know after that third shirley temple i start saying things that really should not be aired um all kinds of horrible things start coming out of my mouth and uh we decided it was best for my public reputation not to air the episode and so our our guest was uh, very gracious um you know he's going through some therapy now to kind of process what i said but he said um you know i still want to come back he said he's, he still wants to come back and so we're looking forward to having him in the near future uh probably in a week or two we've got actually <laughs> We've got a little bit of a backlog of a couple of people who are going to be guests soon. So I'm excited for upcoming episodes for that. But uh, but enough said. Yeah. So we're, you know, kind of uh, in a scheduling, you know, switching things around. But, yeah, it's just you and I today. Yeah. My guest was supposed to actually be here. I think I mentioned it. Well, nobody would know because we mentioned it on last week's podcast that never got up uploaded, which is good. My throat sounds a little better today. Last week's it was pretty scratchy. My My throat comes and goes. With the scratchiness, um, sometimes what will end up happening throughout this podcast, it'll dry out. And uh, But since I'm pretty much by myself, I don't talk much. There's nobody here, you know, so I, I don't use my voice as much. So uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, to be honest, because um, uh, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, we're, we're trying to get things uh, – um, it's difficult because, you know, people, everybody has scheduling issues. And some of the guests that we have live in different countries or different time zones. Um, and the ones that live, like, I wanted, Vince was supposed to be here today. And I just did not hear from him all week. He was going to come over and spend the night, Saturday night. We were going to hang out. Uh, did not hear from him. So I don't know where that's going. But anyhow, uh yeah, and I think Martin's wife is traveling for business, so Martin is probably being Mr. Mom today and, you know, can't uh, couldn't do the podcast. Uh, but he's a great guy to have on the show because he always asks technical questions that get me thinking in, in certain ways, um, and, and, it's, and it's good. So other than that, yeah, the weather here, for those of you who aren't in Chicagoland, has been 
terrible. Matter of fact, we had snow yesterday, and Joe, you said you had some snow by you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, did that stick? Huh? I said that's some BS because you know we had eighty degrees two weeks ago, and you know now I've got my winter jacket back on. I was hoping I could put that away forever, but uh, this April has not been cooperating. Well, I did get some yard work done the other day when it was like fifty. And I couldn't finish it. I figured I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow was horrible. Cold, rainy. It's 37 Fahrenheit right now. This is 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, it's not going to get anything better. It's all overcast. So um, the good news is I've been trying to patch together my bicycles to get them on the road, you know, looking like, you know, top shape. And I'm just waiting on a couple things in the mail. And then I got to get it all one bike assembled here fully. So I'm not missing out because the weather isn't cooperating. Uh, so I'm not missing out on anything. So that's, that's as far as riding goes, but I do, once I get the gravel bike together, want to hitch it up to the car, drive out to your house and hit the trails by you. So I have some companionship when we're riding, that'll be nice. Um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, I might, I say this all the time. I wanted to jumpstart lifting on Monday, on May the first the beginning of May, but I may actually start tomorrow light, get a workout week, weeks worth of exercising in um, light. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw a video yesterday of some older actor, older, my, my mom's age. I think he's a year younger. And I only knew him because when I still lived in Cleveland as a young man, my grandparents watched soap opera that he was on. So I kind of have known about the guy since the eighties. And he's going through a throat, uh, prostate cancer thing. And he's been an athlete. He was a national-level athlete in Germany. And I know he did some boxing on his own. I don't think he was a competitive fighter. But he's like 81 now. But it was funny, to, or not funny, it was interesting to listen to him talk. He's very uh, he's uh, intelligent. And, uh, uh, you know, he says he does, he says, I still hit the, hit the heavy bag, not as intense. I still... What do you, I don't remember. He said, I still lift weights, not as heavy. You know, he was very specific about things, very detailed, which I thought was nice. And pretty much that's going to be me the next couple of weeks. I'll be lifting again, but certainly nothing, you know, uh, world record poundage or anything. So just easing back into it. Yeah, and I know like some people, you know, comment on social media asking about your surgery recovery and things like that. And, and, and so I'm kind of the conduit for stuff that happens on social media. Cause you're not monitoring that. Um, so I want to pass that on. People are saying, well, how's it doing? How's your, how's that your stomach doing? Well, my, my gut, my abdomen, actually it's technically not my stomach. I, I say that it's the abdomen area. Um, I I've been babying it because it, it, uh, and again, let's, let's go back to this German American actor. Eric Braden is his name, by the way. And he had recently had knee surgery. And he said the first thing he tried, like uh, two or three days later, even though he had a brace on, was as he referred to them, air squats. So free squats. And he says, I shouldn't have done that. And the pain was immense. And I thought there was damage. As it turned out, for him, there was no damage. Well, it's the same thing with me. I may have, I thought I may have damaged it again because I rushed it. And coincidentally, I had to go see the ear, nose, and throat doctor for my throat issue. And he just had previously hernia surgery, and which is what mine was labeled as hernia surgery. I don't know if 
my, my regular doctor thinks there was something more to it. There was something taken out. I haven't seen my hernia surgeon since that revelation. So anyway, um, the ENT doctor told me, just don't do anything. Just wait all month. Well, so it's been over a month now. And the only reason I haven't started working out is because it, it started in the middle of April. And I've, I've just had other things to do. So the long-winded answer is I've really been taking care of it, but I have been doing some yard work that involves a lot of pulling and a lot, you know, weeds and vines, and uh, it seems to be okay. Now, the wound, the, the surgery, they went in on my right side, although the problem area was on the left. That's That's not healing properly. That's... Well, you want to call it cosmetic, I, I guess, but I feel things, and that part, it, it's not coming along. But I don't know if it's going to end up just being cosmetic or if, if there is an issue. Uh, the biggest problem subsequently to that, my, my memory issues haven't even been addressed. That's The next stage of that is June, but it's my throat. Um, and, and that right now is the main uh, problem. So the stomach or abdomen area, uh, I, I, I guess it's okay. Uh, as far as the healing, I will be using a belt, uh, an elastic belt that I have when I lift. Uh, and I think a lot of it now is just more psychological. I don't want to re-injure it. I don't want to go through the surgery again. Um, so apparently there is a mesh implant, uh, and I don't know if mesh implants are like welding. I mean, you know, welders will tell you that once they weld, it's actually stronger than it was before. I don't know if that's the case with mesh. Uh, I've read certain things that said yes, but then again, we had that mesh lawsuit several years ago where it was problems. Um, so time will tell, but shortly it's going to start where I'm going to push it, and we'll see. I've done no ab abdominal exercises. I've done no exercising outside of, like I said, the yard work. Uh, so we'll, I, I've, I've rested up as much as I can. And it's it's aggravating because, you know, I want to be doing something. So we'll see. Maybe I'll start tomorrow. But yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things for athletes. Uh, um, and especially as athletes get older is having the patience to recover uh, and giving it time because you always want to get back out there and you feel like you're losing ground, you know, and you have these goals. and they're, at least to me, they're always like, there's always this kind of at least subconscious pressure to get back out there and try things and eagerness. And that's something I struggle with too, just uh, respecting my age and kind of, um, you know, I had one guy I'd like to have a guest on at some point here, um, if I can get him on here, he's a bodybuilder and a car guy, I think you'd really like him, a really cool guy I work with. But um, he, he says, you know, when he lifts, because he's, he's about 10 years older than me. Uh, but, you know, he said, basically, you know, he was writing checks that his body couldn't cash, you know, he, like he kept, tried to kept doing the volume that he would do when he was younger. Um, and he was paying the price for it. And I think there's that, I mean, that's just one aspect, but whether it's recovering, you know, dealing with the, the honesty of your age and how much you can train and listening to your body or just recovering from, like I said, a surgery and wanting to get back out there. Uh, it's sometimes it's funny because sometimes athletes 
it's you you know you have to push them to do more but sometimes you have to almost push yourself to hold back well you're right and and first of all let, let I'll address the athlete thing about well I don't even want to use the term at, athlete per se because um but yeah for for the for for me and 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 many people I know that that are involved in athletics uh it's a lifestyle okay so the reason I'm hesitant to use the term athletics is because a lot of people will use that term, you know, when, I, in my opinion, it, it should, like they're bowlers, okay? They bowl every, you know, they're on bowling leagues or something like that. Now they consider themselves athletic or athletes. I'm not here to bash bowling because I bowled too. What I'm getting at is we were, we were real serious, you know, like world record lifts and heavy, you know, world-class, we're surrounded, we're surrounded by world-class athletes. So we're immersed in that world. And for me, it was a lifestyle. It wasn't something that I wanted to do uh, for a, a short period of my life. Okay. This was something that I wanted to do until the, till the day I die. Okay. And that I still feel that way, you know, uh, being able to fight, being able to be in shape. Um, so, yeah, that's hard. So it's like losing your lifestyle more than just not working out. It's a compound thing. So like, for example, um, well, let me just think of off the top of my head. I enjoy pizza, Chicago style pizza. Well, not getting the Chicago style pizza. I mean, it's, it's a, it's sad, but, or whatever, but it's not my lifestyle, right? Life will go on. Um, but when when it is part of your lifestyle, you know it's like losing a part of yourself, you know, uh, or losing a loved one in a way. Because I really um, enjoyed lifting or working out, training. Let's just cover that all all that training to us to an extent. I didn't enjoy the heavy duty grueling shit, you know, because it just and that's hard. Like your your friend you're talking about, that's you know sixty. Um, you, it just takes a lot longer for you to recover if you can. Um, that part, but, but you, I I have no problem toning it down, but yeah, it's a lifestyle for me. And for many of our listeners, it's, it is a lifestyle and I think it's a good thing. Uh, but when, yeah, when you have, when you, when it's taken from you, um, or temporarily even, uh, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to adjust sometimes. I just want to go publicly and state that pizza is part of my lifestyle. So (laughs) that would be a horrific loss. You know, I have, well, uh, yeah. For those who've never had Chicago pizza, I mean, well, there's people who out there who just, you know, they argue New York style Chicago, you know, uh, it's all, hopefully it's all in, in, in jest. It's all in fun. Um, I, uh, I just, you know, I was raised on well, Cleveland style. Well, I don't know. Cleveland has a style, but <clears throat> Cleveland pizza was, you know, I mean, it's all I knew growing up, obviously. It was fine. What I don't like in Chicago is those thin pizzas that they cut in squares. And I never saw that until I moved to Chicago. I never saw pizzas in squares. Like they give them out at bars or parties. Right, right, right. Like, what's this crap? I don't know. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I pass on that. I don't like that. It, it doesn't taste good. I don't like it because we're used to pie cuts. Um, I think I mentioned this once. I was doing a seminar, I believe. I'm pretty sure it was a Terry Dow. Um, out east coast you know it was definitely east coast and i it wasn't new york it was it had to be terry dow or i also did 
when I was out there, some, some seminars in Massachusetts. So it was that thing, right? So we took a break from the seminar, or it may have been, I think it was a break. It wasn't like after the seminar. So the guys took me to some local pizza shop, which, which was right by the uh, the gym we were working out at. So far, so good. Pizza's good. We walk in, and I guess the I don't know if the guys that took me knew the owner or not, but the first words out of the, the guy the seminar participants was, "Hey, we got a guy here from Chicago." Well, the owner of this pizza shop just went off on me. You know, your shit sucks. Your pizzas in Chicago are nothing. You're going to finally in your life have a good pizza. I mean, and he wasn't kidding. This guy was like a lunatic. And I'm like, I I don't remember what I said. I, nothing. I mean, I dif- diffused it. But yeah, I'm like, Jesus, the first time ever in my life that, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, Hey man, I told. Oh, I remember what I said. Hey man, I'm originally from Cleveland, so you know I try to. I, I veered it that way. And his pizza was good, no, no doubt about it. I mean, it wasn't a stuffed pizza like I like, or you like to deep dish it, you know, on Pequods. Uh, but it's, it was fine. So yeah, I don't, I don't. I yeah, don't I'm, take- I'm definitely equal opportunity when it comes to pizza. It's hard to mess it up. I mean, there are levels and qualities of pizza. Um, I mean, don't get me started on California, although I think they've changed. I think that was the first awakening I had when I moved out to California, because as a kid, you know, being an ignorant kid, I just kind of felt like I didn't realize that. I mean, you forget how big the country is and how each area is regionally different and certain things don't carry over. I mean, (laughs) just, yeah, me and my buddies were out there and the first thing we couldn't get was an Italian beef. It was shocking. Like they didn't even understand what language I was speaking when I said, hey, can we have a beef sandwich? We just walked into like a fast food place because you come here to Chicago. um, You know, it's it's basically it's Chicago's equivalent of the the Philly cheesesteak kind of sandwich. I mean, there's some differences there, but, um, you know, we don't call it the Chicago Italian beef like they do with the Philly cheesesteak. It's just Italian beef. And, uh, you know, my uh, parochial mind didn't realize that no this is something only we do and it was just to me it was like a hamburger it was like something that i assumed was everywhere in the u.s and they kind of look cross-eyed and they're like do you want like a roast beef sandwich like, like they didn't understand what we were talking about and then later on we tried to get pizza and i'd say we spend about a month asking people hey we want to go out for pizza because you know like, like i said it's part of, it's part of my lifestyle like at least once a week i want to go out and get a pizza which is probably why you know it's, it's not great for my my training weight per se to have that built into my dna but anyways we, they kept taking us to places and it'd be you know i don't know equivalent to like a domino's or you know kind of what i would consider fast food pizza um and i said no 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 i i this i get this is pizza but where's your good pizza and i realized oh my god this is what they this is all they know you know, like they only know kind of the, the fast food, quickie, get a slice pizza. They don't understand like the restaurant quality, you know, where it's considered like a, almost like a meal, you know, a true meal that you want. Yeah. And uh, so, again, but I still don't get me wrong. I love me some cheap pizza. You know, I'll still get a slice at Costco. You know, that I love some greasy pizza like that. Uh, but, you know, your point about the square pizza, the pieces. It's funny because, you know, I, that's what I grew up with. When you get the thin crust, they cut it into like this weird, weird grid, basically. And it's obviously just to make more pizza pieces for people, you know, to give it. Um, but it's like one of those, it doesn't dawn on you. It's like, yeah, it is a little weird that we don't just do like, because the, the deep dish and stuff is all triangles, like a pie slice, like everybody else on earth divides up a circle into pies, right? 
um, into slices. So uh, it is one of those mind things that like I have to be objective and say, oh, yeah, that is a little weird that we do that. I get the like the ability to like divvy it up into smaller little chunks. But um, it is interesting that it affects people's perception of the taste almost like the shape. Well, it does taste different because they put the God, they put that cheese on top. Okay. And it's dried out cheese. Um, I don't like that. Okay. I'm used to, and I, again, I believe most people that I know are used to the ingredients on top. Okay. Um, Now it's different in a stuffed pizza, but at least the stuffed pizza, you, you have the sauce on top, at least the ones that I've had. So those squares, they're dry. It, it, the pizza is dry. Uh, I just don't like it. And besides, I like crust. Um, and it, obviously, you, you may well, not get that. Um, but yeah, to your point, and I was bashing California pizza recently, but the one thing, so Sasha's from California, and she did train me to put like, when we call in for like thin crust, to put the toppings on top. And it is better because they get crispier. Like the bacon, or not the yeah. bacon. The pepperoni or whatever it gets crispier when it's you know exposed like that. It's not trapped in and chewy from the cheese. So I do kind of prefer that. So I could see that. Yeah, the layering and it's almost like they, yeah, almost do kind of a stuffed layering with the thin crust. And that's another thing I don't even think about as far as like normally. Yeah, we put cheese over everything on our thin crust where everybody else does it the reverse. And I can see the point for that for sure. Well, getting to your Chicago beef, so our Italian beef. I mean, I never heard of it. We never had it in Cleveland when I moved to Chicago. I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I'll have it. Some I can tell which one's better than others. I like Johnny's beef, um, but I've had others that are you know very good too. But no, we don't. We didn't have that in Chicago uh, in Cleveland. I never heard of it. You know, it's not an Italian thing. It's a Chicago thing. Just like Jardinier is not Italian. It's a Chicago thing. But the one thing that they do call Chicago is their dogs. I want a Chicago dog, okay? With hot dog, which is completely different than a normal hot dog. Like Cleveland has chili dogs. Cleveland's known for their corned beef, um, you know, Slimans mainly, um, or roast, uh, yeah, uh, corned beef, but and chili dogs. Out here, it's Chicago dog and pizza. Um, but yeah, they do call it a Chicago-style hot dog. That's what it's known as. So Ch- Chicago's got that going for it. And they're there are arguments about both Italian beef. Well, all three. Which place is the best? I like um, uh, Gene and Jude's hot dogs. They're my favorites with the French fries on them and the whole nine yards. That's my favorite joint. Pizza, it's up in the air, man. Uh, there's just a lot of them taste the same. They're all good. Uh, you know, and it's fun to to do that. Sub sandwiches too. We've had contests about the best Italian sub. Um, and ironically, my submission was not even an Italian place. It was a uh, uh, like a deli mart, like a like a small little convenience store, Ozzy's in Northlake that that made one make made several there, but the one that I liked was called the Authentic, and I brought that to the contest, which came in second place. Um, which was tough for me because there's several uh, sub shops, Italian sub shops that I love, you know, but I'm like, well, everybody's going to bring an Italian sub from an Italian joint. I'll bring one from that's not Italian. Um, not that it matters, you know, but I just figured it'd be different. Yeah, so, we got yeah. a big sub joint in Downers Grove, uh, Birdo's, 
I love the, love the Birdo's Italian sub there. We'll have to get that someday. Yeah, get sure. Take on it. Um, I want to try Detroit pizza too at some point. Uh, I've I've had that out here, but this is out here. So right. I mean, it was okay, but that doesn't mean Detroit. This is our, right. their our way of making a Detroit pizza. So yeah, it doesn't count. So yeah, maybe we'll have to do we'll have to do a Detroit road trip at some point, and then well, let's get back to this. You made a comment. I don't know if you were joking or not about your pizza DNA and it blows your diet. <laughs> it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Because here's what I tell everybody. Um, and recently, because of my throat, I've been eating a lot of junk, like soft stuff, like donuts. Eddie, my, my buddy brings them over. And uh, I can't, uh, I'm, I have a hard time swallowing hard stuff. Um, but you should have a cheat day anyway with your diet. Uh, so you you schedule your cheat day as the pizza day, for example, or you just double down with your fasting or cut your calories for a couple days a little bit more than you normally would um, to make up for that pizza, right? So cut an extra 500 calories or something, something like that, whatever, whatever, do the math. But um, yeah, don't deprive yourself because in the end of it, in the scheme of it all, it really doesn't matter. All you're doing is cheating yourself out of some enjoyment, but you have to have self-control. You, you can't can't binge every single day for months and months and months and months. So don't be so hard on yourself, Joe. Thank you, Coach. And now I'm hungry, too. I want to have a pizza after this podcast. But... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's another thing, this podcast. So I've been trying to stay now with a 12-hour fast. But I noticed, you know, I, I, I want to – go longer. I want to lose again. I want to just stay at a certain weight. Um, so I just watched a movie last night and said, you know what the hell with it? I'm just going to have a bag of popcorn. So because of that popcorn, I, I, I noted, noted the time that I finished eating it. So I figured, okay, come today, we're going to film our podcast early in the morning. So I'm not going to have anything until to eat until after the podcast. So, yeah, I'm hungry, but I'm just going to control it until after the podcast, and then I'll have breakfast. So that'll give me about a 15-hour or so window, um, you know, for for my fast, which, you know, really it should be 18 hours, but I'm, I don't need to go that extreme right now again. So, yeah, it's all self-control. Hey, I want to broach something that's been in the news um, kind of – switching topics here, but I think it would be good since it's recent. Um, and it, it, I think it made national news. Uh, so maybe even internationally, uh, probably not internationally, but anyways, there was basically in Chicago, downtown Chicago, uh, things got out of hand. Uh, I don't know if this is about a the week kids? ago. Yeah, basically mobs, mobs of kids. Like, I don't know what's how it started. I don't know any of the details, but either the police were slow to react or they were overwhelmed regardless there was you know um large crowds acting violently just you know whatever vandalizing um you know which is unfortunate because you know chicago is a great town regardless of what you hear in media because i think you know they sensationalize the violence um you know obviously it's concentrated in certain very impoverished neighborhoods which is very unfortunate but a lot of people avoid the city um because you know and it's a great city it's a world-class city you know i mean it's it's got all kinds of culture architecture food 
you know, what have you, uh, you can, you know, entertainment. Uh, it's just a beautiful city to visit, but people hear these things. I'm going off on a tangent here. This wasn't my question, but I'm trying to make a point that, Hey, don't be afraid of Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it's overrun with uh, hipsters. You know, maybe that should be something you should be concerned about, but regardless, but that said, I mean, in any large metropolitan area or any, in, actually any environment, um, something can happen in crowd, you're in a crowded situation and, and something can set off the crowd. And so I guess it's kind of an open-ended generic question to you about when you're in a crowded environment, what are you paying attention to to see if things go wrong? And then if you sense, well, I guess there's various stages. Obviously you want to be trying to keep awareness so you can, so what do you pay attention to in crowded environments? And then if somehow you missed it and you are in a crowded, all of a sudden you realize there's some mob, you know, mob meaning large group of people, something going wrong. What do you, what are your tactics that you would, you would look to advise people on? Man, you, you know, first of all, this isn't a movie, all right? And this isn't YouTube with some, you know, person giving you, you're in a lot of trouble. It, in, like this gang of kids was, I heard like in certain instances over a hundred. Okay, um, you can't win. Okay, you're not going to defeat a hundred people, uh, and 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 of course you're going to have these pseudo experts that claim, well, you take the biggest guy and then you knock him out or whatever. Look, avoidance is the big deal, and if you can't avoid it, let's say, like you said, you're where you're at. There's nobody around. All of a sudden, you're swarmed, and I've had that happen. And I'll get to that in a moment. Um, uh, you you already have to know wherever you're at. I always look for ex- exits. Okay, eat or let's say you're walking down Michigan Avenue or any main street. You know, you should know where I can I ditch myself. Where can I can I get into this store? Um, you you need to be self aware. Uh, the thought of taking on all these people um, is is foolhardy. You only think about that if you truly have no other option. Like they're after you specifically. Um, but yeah, there there's always the what ifs. And 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 you know what? What ifs get boring, right? They they get they're harmful at times because you can you can end up never ending these what ifs on all, on any subject matter, sports, music, art. You know you can what if it to death, uh, but always know your surroundings. Make sure that you know um, you know entrances, exits. You have. Uh, keen idea of if you drove a car where your vehicle is plan a route to get to your vehicle um you know or if it's public public transportation no no other bus stops let's say right because maybe the mob is at your bus stop so it's not going to help you okay you just have to pretty much plan things out like fully if if you're that concerned with it you know uh I've been in situations, nothing, there's no punchline here to like, you know, fight, but I've been in situations out here, not in Chicago as much, but out here where there's a lot of motorcycles. Like this is the area in one of the biggest areas in the Midwest for motorcycles. And you can go out somewhere. You can be in, let's say, a small bar with three or four people 
and in 45 minutes, in, in come 30 or 40 bikers. They're not causing any trouble, but you're now, you're this, you know, there's too many people probably violating code, if, if there's even a code out here. Um, and now, you, now you're swamped, okay? There's no, nothing you can do, right? Uh, and that's happened on three occasions in the nine years that I've lived here. Uh, and so I'm aware of it. And when it's summer or spring, uh, and if I were to go, like I haven't been out at all in a long, long time, but if I were to go out, I plan accordingly, you know, uh, making sure I'm near an exit, making sure that um, I realize that this is a place that may that may happen. And you can just ask one of the staff at the restaurant or the bar that you're at, do you get bikers that come in here? Uh, you know, because it is uncomfortable. And there's a lot more to add to it. You know, there, what if you, you got to go to the bathroom? Now, I mean, now maybe you, you got a longer wait. Or maybe you, you've been putting off ordering, ordering food. Now all of a sudden these 30, 40 people come in there. Maybe it's too late now for you to order food. It's going to take an hour to get the food or something. So uh, I know a lot of people tell me, and always have, this is nothing new, that they don't like crowds, especially in a city like Chicago where you, you can get a million people, literally, not exaggerating, like a million people for a, for a festival, okay? Um, it's crazy. The last time I was around that was when I went back to Cleveland for the uh, – the, when the Cavaliers won the NBA title and there was that parade, okay? It was huge. It was like over a million people. And uh, makes you feel like an ant. Makes you know how insignificant things could be, you know? Uh, how do you fight a million people? You don't, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I... That's interesting. I don't know if proactively... I mean... You said it, you know, when you, if you feel uncomfortable when, when there's a large, you know, sometimes you can feel uncomfortable. And I think that's just, maybe that's partially just a sense of like this, it wouldn't take much if things went south, this is a bad situation to be in. You know, we often talk about listening to your gut on those things. Do you think in those circumstances, like, okay, this place is. Time over- to go. Yeah. It, it just is. And you make your exit is, is, look at it on the bright side. It's better to exit before any hostility may arise, err on the side of caution. But also, it could be like you're in an automobile, all right? And let's say you're driving, you're not driving, it it doesn't matter, but you have a blowout or something happens, right? Now it's spur of the moment. Now it's instant. It it goes from zero to 100% on. Um, And you have to panic, right? Or you can panic and you have to stay calm through that wanting to panic mode to you know, to just, you know, stabilize the situation if possible. And many of us have been in car accidents and they can happen instantly. You know, like you don't even have time to react. All of a sudden you're in an accident. So yeah, in the case of these mobs, you know, if you can over, if you can uh, see it coming or hear that it's coming and, and you know that it'll affect you, get out, you know, just, Get out or stay where you're at and avoid it. Don't go out on the sidewalk, you know, and 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 enter into it. I saw some clips of a couple people getting beaten up pretty bad, right? Uh, one woman and I don't know. Um, 
the whole details. I do know that I've, they were claiming that the police just stood around, that the police did nothing. I can't enter into that. I don't know. I, uh, I know things that I've heard in the past from, you know, regarding Chicago police and things. Um, I don't want to enter into that because it's not my place. But I can tell you this, and I've said this so many times on not only the podcasts, but throughout my career of teaching people self-defense. Do not ever, ever, ever for one-tenth of one split second count on somebody to help you. Don't ever expect that. As a matter of fact, expect the opposite. Expect everybody to be against you. Everyone who's followed my career of teaching knows I've said this. And that extends to the police. Don't expect their help. And this is not a knock on anybody. You just have to go into things expecting that no one's going to help you. And I've also said numerous times, expect to lose your life or they're going to lose their life. Somebody's going to lose their life. Expect that. All right. And if it doesn't happen, that's great. But you have to go into these things serious. Okay. You can't just take it, you know, like fluff it off. But yeah, never expect help. Uh, it, it's it's just it, you're setting yourself up, up for for failure and for heartbreak because yeah you just may not get that help. So yeah, it's great if if the police and I I'm not judging them because I wasn't there, but it'd be great if the police can step in. But man, when you're talking about a hundred people, how many cops were there at that point? You know, I don't know. Well, um. But yeah, don't don't expect help. This is a tricky question too, and I uh, again, I'm just responding to some stuff you said. But you know, in, in those circumstances too, you know, you probably have so you know a lot of people, a lot of people who train or whatever may have the impulse to try and help others. So you see someone else taking a beat down, and that's got to be tricky too, because you know. If you go into assist, now you're not escaping. You know what I'm saying? Like you've you've made a choice. And like I I don't even know how you weigh that, you know. Now for me, there are certain circumstances that like, you know, you see some kid getting hurt or a little kid or something, you gotta jump in, you know, even if like you said, you're losing your life. Um, but I yeah, I don't know. Like, did you have like is it kind of is that an instinct thing too, or is that kind of like how do you calculate that in is like should I help here or should I save myself? It, it's a personal choice, and that can vary on circumstances. I'm going to tell you, there's been times when, you know, I've, as people have witnessed, Martin and I don't know, a lot of guys that I've trained have seen me enter into the fray, you know, to end fights um, because I have the ability to do it, and the the emotions were there, okay, for me to do it. Um, but that's me. And that was me at that moment, okay? So it really boils down to a personal thing. Um, you also have to be very very uh, cognizant of the fact that if you're, if you're, especially if you're intervening between a man and a woman, that both people will probably turn on you, okay? Police will tell you that. I mean, I've, it just is one of those deals, you know? So you, you have to have that cognizance of, of knowing what, what's, What's going on here? Um, I remember one time my buddy and I were out and we were 
joking amongst each other. And a couple people thought we were arguing. You know, nothing happened here. They just said, hey, man, you guys, cool it. I'm like, it's not worth fighting over. I'm like, oh, no, we're, we're play acting. We're joking. So you, you really have to be sure of what you're doing. Um, and also know that uh, if, if, if things ask, I, I can't get into the law because every jurisdiction seems to be different. But you could be entering into a zone where now you, you may be legally held liable for something, okay, where you had the chance to get away and you chose not to. Um, so I don't know. That, that's beyond the scope of me. Uh, generally, I don't care about the law when it, when it, I mean, I don't want to say I don't care about the law, but what I mean is in a self-defense situation, that's, that's the key word. Defense. I'm defending myself or my loved ones. So I can't be concerned with the law at that point. I have to be concerned with survival here. All right. Um, so it's a personal choice there, Joe. It's not like one right answer. Um, there isn't. There are times when it's best to just stay out of it. I'm sure it's happened a lot where, you know, you entering into the thing can make matters worse. Sometimes you don't know that you, you know, Monday Monday morning quarterbacking, but uh, no, it's just something you have to assess and make that call. Yeah, it's a very tough situation. I don't envy anybody else to make that. I, I definitely I had a buddy who was in that situation, and partially why he trains is because you know he just he spoke up. Some guy was you know, and this wasn't a crowd situation, so it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, he saw you know a guy getting physical with a woman. And he's he's not a particularly big guy, so I, I admire his guts for doing this. But he spoke up. He kind of tried to intervene. I don't think – and obviously, you know, guess what? That means now you're the target, you know? <laughs> You've got to be ready for that, you know, if you're trying to intervene there. And, you know, I don't know if prior he had called the cops about this. Um, again, it was happening very quickly, you know. So he – you know, I don't know if his tactic would have been better of, like, get 911 on the phone right away and be like, Hey buddy, I've just called 911, break it off. You know, I don't, like you said, I don't know all the specifics, how to read it. Um, but it is a, uh, bad situation and you want to do something quite often and you've got to be ready for, you know, like you said, you intervene. It's just now the fight is yours, you know, (laughs) and, and that means you could lose your life. Yeah. I've, I've had situations where, you know, get into it with the husband and then uh, the wife jumps in, you know, not physically, but, you know, verbally and shit. And it just becomes a headache, you know, and it's just something that you want to remove yourself from that situation. Um, and, you know, sometimes tact, some, it, it becomes an ego thing a lot of times too. Uh, not just their pro their ego, but your own ego. Right. Um, uh, so you have to have that in check. Um, and I see a lot like with like martial art guys train their ego. They they think they can handle the situation. They think, and then you know, it turns out that man, they they bit off a little bit more than they could chew. Um, so you you know, all everybody has to keep egos in check. Um, and and even if it's a good, you're being a good Samaritan. And you are intervening. There may be a time during that intervention that you have to bail too. You know, you just have to get out of there. Uh, 
it's certainly a dynamic all right it's it's not it's nothing that uh is always the same and the best thing is for you is that hopefully you never put yourself you never thrust into that position but and i guess it's different see in that regard it's different than seeing somebody have a medical episode like you're trained now with the medicine with the param- uh, you know the emt stuff so that's a whole different obligation there uh but when you're entering into a violent scenario yeah you're putting yourself you know you're you're voluntarily you know maybe losing your life doing this for strangers let's say so takes a special person to do that yeah it's tough Uh, yeah i don't have answers for that um and you're right it's it's very specific on the circumstance but um it's something I think people should think through in advance because you don't know, like it, it could be in any environment, you know, we just, you know, you try to avoid that stuff, but you can't control what other people are doing and you just end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, part of the, part of the unfortunate reality. Um, the other thing in the news, and I don't even know if there's anything that can be done about this, but the other thing that's happening now is, Maybe this is just an area of, of just a reminder to keep your awareness on. But there's been, I don't know, the last week or two, people just making simple mistakes and ending, ending up getting, getting shot for it. You know, people ringing the wrong doorbell or pulling into the wrong driveway. Um, yeah, and that's totally on the shooter. They're just completely in the wrong. People, you mentioned something earlier today about fear, and so many people are getting worked up and told to hate and told to fear this person or that person or this group or whatever it is. Um, again, yeah. Now let's flip it. All right. Now are you as the good guy going to fear? Oh, I went, I went, I, I knocked on the wrong door or I'm turning around in the wrong driveway, this or that, you know, Martin said something to me a couple of weeks ago, because when we were or a week ago, whenever it doesn't matter, it was like within the last two weeks. I wanted to fix part of the fence, which means I have to go on the other side and in the neighbor's yard to access it. Uh, and the, I, they're, they're moving. They're gone, right? The, the, the tenants, the renters had moved out. Um, so they were, during the, this past week, having roofers come out and fix the roof and whatever, maintenance. And I just told Martin, I said, well, you know, I'm kind of old school. I'm funny about just walking into somebody's yard without permission. This is, that's all I said. And Martin's like, yeah, you might get shot, right? It's funny that he, that he said that, but really, I mean, he's right. It, it, it can happen. Um, I just can't worry about it. Me personally, I got enough true things to direct things that, that worry me and stress me out. Um, but you're right. It's, it's becoming ridiculous that this is happening and it's happening to men, women, black, white, don't matter. You know, people are getting shot, gunned down. Um, There was just a guy that walked into the wrong car, you know, at a gas station and he got, you know, shot. Uh, So yeah, what, what, I'm not going to say that this is a new phenomenon because I'm sure that this is, I'm sure that I even know, that it that it's happened like when I was growing up. I may not recall it now, but I I think it's in the news. Okay, the news is you know reporting this. Um, 
I read something, and boy, again, we don't we don't rehearse what we're going to talk about, and I wish we did because now you, you with my memory, I can't recall things, but there. Were, oh, I know what it is. It did. It, I do. I do remember. Right before nine eleven, the infamous nine eleven two thousand and one. Apparently, the media was reporting on all these shark attacks. Okay, like it was constantly in the news: shark, 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 sharks, to the point where people were afraid. Come to find out, like when the year was over, that those shark attacks were actually less that year than it was in previous years, right? But the media was reporting on it. Uh, so I don't know if that's the case now where these attacks are just not any more frequent. They're just getting reported on. And in a sense, it is kind of irrelevant because when, if it should happen to you or you're, when you're, when you're drawn, drawn on, yeah, it's it's a bad situation for you. Um, there is re- literally no prevention for that. Okay, it's it's it happens. Okay, uh, it it's sad that it does, but you know there, what are you going to do? How are you going to defend it? You know, you could try to talk talk your way out of it. From what I'm hearing, these shootings are happening like basically instantaneously. Okay. There's not even a chance to talk or to back away. It's it's happening right now. Um, that's that's crazy, isn't it? Well, I guess yeah. It's just eye opening. I think you, I I think you're probably right that this is not an uncommon phenomenon. Like I don't think this just started happening. Um, but I think when like one story catches the national attention. Then the next time it happens, they're like, holy shit. You know, like the, the news media is like, this is just like that thing that, you know, was, and it starts to kind of, yeah, the, the, the whether, well, yeah, I mean, they all want ratings, right? So they're going to focus on whatever and report stuff. So stuff that might have not, you know, a simple shooting, you know, might get, you know, especially in, in the United States where shootings are happening all the time, um, they might not get reported. Murders happen all the time. Um and but when when like a big case gets a lot of attention then i think other ones percolate up it's like well hey you know what this all happened over here you know and you start to realize gosh this is happening frequently and all of a sudden we, we realize that this is kind of an undercurrent of, of a thing that can happen if it right. bleeds it leads that's that's the that's the news model you know if it right. bleeds it leads i've always told people when you're a victim of a violent crime okay when you're in the shit right there there's no place in the world, no place anywhere on planet Earth that's more dangerous than where you're at right now, right at that moment, okay? Don't don't worry about what's happening in, you know, Sudan or someplace else that you hear about, all the violence. Where you're at right now is more violent than anywhere else on Earth because it's happening to you and you may lose your life, okay? I've always felt that. I've always believed that because it's true, all right? For, for, for those of us who have unfortunately had our lives on the line, we know that that's true. So that means always assume that if nothing happened to you today, today was your lucky day, right? So you have to know that violence happens anywhere, okay? It it can happen anywhere. Uh, And don't take it for granted that you can, in essence, keep your guard down. Um, Yeah, so I do believe that situations like this have happened. Uh, I'm concerned for gig drivers, you know, delivery people, uh, DoorDash, this and that. I mean, because part of their job, they 
They have to make food deliveries. Okay. Now, somebody may say, well, you know, the guy placed the order. He knows the pizza's coming. How do you know that? How do you know it wasn't some wise guy? You know, you got the crabby old man down the street and a bunch of punks call in the pizza to, deli- you know, to deliver to his house. He's not expecting a delivery. And he's a bit of an asshole to begin with. See, these are scenarios that can play out. And, and you have to be really, you know, prepared for that. Now, in the case of just accidentally turning around in the driveway, that's bad news. A delivery guy could get to the address, call the number to make sure, you know, because I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. I mean, that's basically all I do. When I need something, I got to go through Amazon. And while a driver has never contacted me, part of the thing when I place an order on Amazon is, you know, the, the delivery driver may contact you for whatever reason. Okay. So, yeah, that may be something that, you know, as a delivery person, you, you may have to start doing. I don't know. I'm not a delivery person. I don't know the ins and outs. Um, but always err on the side of caution. Almost, I don't want to say paranoia because paranoia means you're delusional in a way, out of control. Um, but be concerned, and, and you know, like in in a, in a in a fight, a boxing match, a competitive match, whatever it is, MMA. You got to guard yourself at all times. That's not paranoia. You just know that you 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 can't relax. You got to be on guard at all times. So that's how you have to be in your day to day life, in my opinion. I mean, that's how I look at it. Yeah, I think if anything, these incidents are a constant reminder to be vigilant and like a healthy degree of paranoia. You're right. Like obviously, you, sh- you can't have unfounded fears and be freaked out and and li- just shut yourself inside and not live your life. Uh, but like you mean what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> You're the object lesson. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and for people like myself, who I tend to be too introverted, um, you know, I get lost in my thoughts, and I can sleepwalk through activities. You know, like that one kid; he was just going to pick up his brother and sister. I he probably, you know, like anybody, they probably, you know, he. I don't know how much time he had to react. It might have he might have just been like ring the doorbell and it was violent. Like he had no no way of getting a read that something was wrong here, you know. Um, but it just yeah, you've got to kind of at some level always try and have that that feeler out. Is this this guy behind the door? Does he look pissed? Does you know is he reaching for something? You you may have split seconds to be like back off the porch. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm at the wrong place. Like I said, I have no idea well, if you had that opportunity. But- I don't know the landscape of that particular house, but one of the, one of the things that I, I, I've always done, I try to always do this. I don't stand in front of the doorway. Okay. I may knock on the door, ring the doorbell, but then I move off to the side. Okay. I don't want to stand right in front of the door. Um, it, it just, it's not, a, for me, it's not a comfortable position to be in. Okay. And also, you you should be able to look for a way to ditch, okay, to get out. Um, but in the case of people just turning around in driveways, because that was that one incident. I think you're referring right. to that young lady that got that got uh, killed. Uh, how, you know, what do you do there? You know, right. uh, it's. I mean, we've all probably all of us that have driven have turned around in driveways. You know. Uh, 
it's this one of those things, you know, you would think it's a normal situation. Uh, but you're dealing with someone unbeknownst to you that's abnormal. The homeowner in this instance, it's an abnormal thing to be living in that kind of fear and paranoia where you're just going to shoot. Okay. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. Okay. Because there are, I know people say, oh, it's trespassing. Not necessarily. There are laws that there's some parts that are public, in a way, public access. The doorbell, if you have a doorbell, that's almost like an invitation. Um, people are allowed to approach your door, mailmen or law enforcement, EMS, whatever, uh, uh, UPS, so on. Uh, so there has to be distinctions made. And I can't enter into that because I'm not a lawyer. And again, I, I would assume the laws vary depending on the locale. But uh, yeah, it's just, man, it's just <clears throat> crazy, isn't it? I mean, again, I'm not saying we're living in crazy times per se. I still think overall it's safer than it was in the 70s when I grew up. I mean, that was bad times. Uh where you just didn't trust anybody or anything, right? Unless you knew that person, you know, deeply. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't, I, I, I don't have all the answers. All, all I know is that I live my life knowing that I could be dead tomorrow. I could be dead later. I could be dead right now. But I mean, I could, you know, you can't take it for granted that you're, you're going to have this life moments from now. Yeah, and I mean, maybe the one value, hopefully, of all those news stories getting out is that it'll it'll get out to those people who are, you know, got their fingers on the trigger and are afraid. Maybe it'll give them a second thought to say, hey, you know, <laughs> hopefully those people are getting some of the message, too, that not everybody that comes in your driveway is coming to get you, and you could get in trouble for that. You know, those people are being charged with things. So hopefully there's some value, too, because the message needs to get to the the uh, the people who are afraid at home, um, you know, they need to evaluate things and take take a breath and relax a little bit because uh, you're you obviously if you ha you're you're armed if you're packing, it just takes a few ounces of pressure and you're taking a life and you it take an instant um, and so you need to go through some kind of mental checklist before you start reacting like that um, and I know probably some of the training you went through probably addresses some of that too. Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, get, let's get straight on one thing. You know, back in the 70s, I think they said 50% of the households had guns. Um, there was, a, you know, guns in my, you know, I, I've had guns pulled on me, my grandmother, other people. I had friends shot. Uh, you know, uh, I witnessed a robbery I mentioned on here where, where the guy's name was Johnny. He got shot in the head and killed. My mom was working there. Um, in essence, he tried to protect my mom in a way, and boom. So the gun phenomenon is, I'm sorry, it's just nothing new, right? Uh, it just isn't. And I'm not the only human being that's witnessed this stuff. Um, there may be more guns now, uh, but again, all it takes is one gun, one bullet to to alter your life if if you end up even with a life afterwards. So yeah, I've I've always been cognizant of weapons of any sort. Uh, 
guns, ball bats, chains, knives, beer bo- you know, bottles. <clears throat> um, but those were different scenarios. This was an urban, on the street kind of deal. You know, what we're dealing with now, m- most of the, from what I've read, these are happening in quote unquote nice areas, right? Nice neighborhoods. Uh, so what is a nice neighborhood? This gets back to my my thing where shit can happen anywhere, any place. And many times there's hidden violence that goes on. I don't want to get on a soapbox, but domestic violence that happens even on millionaires row, okay, that may never get reported. You know, spouses getting abused, children getting abused, elderly getting abused, right under people's noses. They never know. So you you have this. We're humans, okay. And as much as people want to think that the bad people are isolated there in that section, it in reality it doesn't work that way. You know, we're we're all in this together. It's like a melting pot of, you know, good and bad. So you have to respect, if if you want to think, and you hope you run into good people, run into good people is a positive. That's, that's something you welcome. And it's great to want to think, man, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have a great time. Because that's really what we hopefully we all want. But you have to be cognizant of the same thing. I can expect maybe trouble. You don't need to dwell on it because that might make you negative, just like you shouldn't put too much emphasis on meeting a bunch of good people or great having a great time because if that doesn't happen, now you're disappointed, right? But just be aware that you might run into some good and you might run into some bad. Uh, and and be prepared, and everybody's preparation is going to be different based on their, their life experiences and where they're going at this point in time in their life. That's how I look at it. Again, I'm not, this is how I look at things. You know, there's the story with the kid going to the, up on the porch. I had uh, not a similar experience, thank God, but like um, just the whole thing about danger approaching doors. Um, I, as a kid, had, I was 13 years old. It was probably my first job. I worked for a dime store and they basically had flyers. They said, here's a stack of flyers, go up and down these, these streets, put a flyer in every doorway, you know, like in the mailbox or in the, and it was a beautiful day. It was actually a great gig. Just to, you know, it's kind of like, just go for, basically go for a walk. But I came up and it was hot out. It was, you know, summertime and there was a door and it just was a screen door at the front porch and <laughs> uh, got it to the top of the stairs, went to put the flyer. I don't even remember where I was putting the flyer, but boom, through the screen of the screen door, their dog burst through it, like broke through the screen door coming at me. Like I had no expectation mm. for it. And, uh, you know, my memory of it now, this is like 13. So, you know, uh, you know, how many years ago was that? And, but, you know, I pictured, you know, my mind now is a memory of like this giant Rottweiler. I have no idea. I can't remember, but it was, it was so shocking. Cause again, my guard was down. I was relaxed. I'd probably done this a hundred different houses before I hit this house. I don't even remember how I got out of that situation. Cause a dog had burst through the screen and came at me. I think the owner reacted and called and I was probably flying off the porch. Like it was all like, you know, reflex and brainstem stuff happening where I just got the hell out of there. Uh, but yeah, it just, 
you walk up on a door, you know, you don't know what's going to, what's watching you come up those stairs. Yeah, I know. I had a dog that was vicious when I was growing up in Cleveland. He'd get loose in the mailman or whoever. It didn't matter. They, I, now it's kind of funny to see the mailman jumping up on top of cars and shit, you know, to get away from the dog. Um, but yeah, you don't know. Um, it, it's just the way it is, right? I mean, but even forget about interaction with humans. Bad things can happen, all right? Accidents or, you know, you, 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 know, you, you get lost or just bad things happen. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I think there's, there's a certain section or segment of society. And again, I think it's always existed, but the internet helps promote it where it's all this for a lack of a better term, I'll use positive, positive people, right? Positive thinking and da da da, whatever. That's not even probably the right term, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Everything is a utopia. Everything is Pollyanna. And that's not the real world either, right? So I've known people who kind of like want to believe that. And and those people make me uncomfortable because when things do go bad for them, they fall apart because, oh, this, how could this happen? This isn't supposed to happen. But yeah, it is supposed to happen. This is life. I mean, things don't always go right or perfect, right? Uh, don't think that they cannot happen because... It happens. It it just does happen. Uh, so yeah, it, it, these are just crazier things that. So I try to take a neutral neutral uh, approach on things. Like last week, we we went. My throat's starting to hurt now. We went to uh, Martin's uh, birthday party. I just really went in there with utterly no ex- expectations at all. All right. Um, I wasn't feeling good, so I mean, I wasn't geared up. But I wasn't feeling so bad that, you know, I felt like shit. I just went in neutral. And I came out of there pretty much neutral. I mean, I met some people, but, you know, um, it was great to see Bruce and Brian. So I I celebrated that. That was fun. Um, And I just think that sometimes people create their own havoc, you know, by expectations. You know, they, they put too much emphasis on either the good or the bad. Uh, and when I mean the bad, they could have so much emphasis on something bad happening or going wrong that they, they overlook the good and, and they, they walk away where they were when, when they should have had a great time, they had a horrible time because they were just obsessed with something bad happening. And conversely, those who want an over the top experience, they leave depressed because, you know, they didn't have that happen for them when really it was a pleasant time and you could have probably enjoyed it if you didn't put that kind of expectation on it. So I try to, I try to be neutral about things as, as much as I can. I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. Naturally, you know, you do get your hopes up. That's part of human nature, but um, sometimes, yeah, it can, it can lead to disappointment. Yeah. And I mean, we all know people who can spin every experience. They can find the bad, you, you can find the uh, cloud in the silver lining, so to speak, or, you know, because that's life. I mean, it's, it, it's the glass half empty perspective on it, but you're right. I mean, if in some ways people who feel that, I don't know what, you know, the outlook where everything is supposed to be good or, you know, I mean, I think I'm, I always try to be optimistic about things, but you've got to be realistic too. And, and I, to me, be grateful. Um, Like if you think 
earlier in the podcast, you mentioned Sudan, I think just got out of the blue. And uh, you're also talking about like anybody who watches the news. Yeah. If it, if it bleeds, it leads. And if you're paying attention, you realize how much violence and calamities are happening out there. And you should be, you know, we shouldn't take, you know, if you live, most of your life is safe, um, you know, and you're, you've got shelter and food and all those kind of things. It's a real blessing. You know, you just think about Ukraine, you know, I mean, that was a, a, you know, a European developed society. I'm sure they, you know, they really didn't. And then how devastated it is. And just, you know, by the grace of God, you know, we're not living there. You know, those people are going, you know, their lives are devastated. Just the towns, towns are bombed out um, and it can happen anywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah, you just don't know human nature or, or not even human nature, just the nature of the world. And I guess saying that, yeah, if, if you're living generally safe and generally have your needs taken care of, that's the exception, you know, and you should at least mentally be thankful for that and, and, and kind of work to maintain that. It's, that doesn't happen accidentally. A lot of people have worked to develop a peaceful society um, and it's not by any means perfect. It's something I think we all have a responsibility to contribute to. Uh, and try and maintain, uh, because if we don't, that can fall apart. I guess that's the thing, is that um, it's almost the opposite, is that, like, you know, a healthy, safe society is something we all have to work together to maintain. It doesn't come accidentally. Uh, it's it, You know, it's more natural, I think, to be, you know, uh, struggling and be without. And I, I think we, we, a lot of us who've grown up in the, in the state's We've been blessed to not, you know, we almost don't even realize how good we have it. Well, some people, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. There's, 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 like, I was raised in poverty, and there was people that were raised in even worse poverty, you know. So there's, there's poverty in this country. There's starving people, not just children, all ages, mm -hmm. uh, and that was a big thing. When I was a kid in the '70s, and they even had television shows about what I'm about to mention, how there were seniors, senior citizens getting arrested for shoplifting because they, they couldn't afford food or they were living on cat food, literal cat food because it was that, cheap, yeah. cheaper to buy. Yes. So, um, you know, so, uh, and of course we lived, or I didn't, but you didn't, but we in America lived through the great depression and, and things and, and what have you. So there, there, you know, there's there. You're right. There's been hardships, and I think now uh, there is so much uh, glorification of, you know, we have more millionaires and billionaires than probably ever, right, in history. And I, and because of the internet and the media, the you know, cable TV, you know, you hear about this, you see this. When I was young, younger, I wasn't a kid, but when I was younger, the the lifestyles of the rich and famous, Robin Leach, you know. That was the first show that I remember. Well, Beverly Hillbillies, you know, with the mansion stuff, but <laughs> that was the first, you know, but I'm saying that was the first show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, where you really got to see this, you know, um, outside of fleeting moments in a movie, you know, uh, James Bond, because I watched a lot of that growing up. He's in the casinos, he's in Highline motels and shit. Uh, but the real world, at least my world, and in most people I knew, their world wasn't wasn't like that. You know, 
Yours wasn't either. You were living at blue collar Chicago. I was living blue collar Cleveland. Um, so that was a foreign element to us. Granted, once again, I get your point. We weren't living in huts or, you know, bombed out areas, thankfully, uh, in that regard. So you're right. I, 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 I think one of the biggest things, and this is not an answer to all of our problems, but it's the, um, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The negativity regarding mental, mental health, mental illness, mental health. I mean, you get people who don't want to take care of their physical health, but there's this pox on mental health, uh, that it, it's a stigma. And I, I, I wish that that didn't exist. I wish people would feel free and have access, which is a big thing. We don't have access in this country to the, the appropriate mental health facilities um that uh i think we 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 need uh and maybe some of the, maybe it would stem some of this certainly not all because we've always had problems in society but man there's very little in in regards to appropriate mental health in my opinion oh yeah 100% right hundred percent right. I mean, we do so much more in that regard and making sure people have access to it. And you're right. I mean, there's the kind of financial aspect that we should make sure that people have access to it because it, it just pays dividends because if people are unhealthy out there, they tend to hurt a lot more people. Um, so it, it benefits us to make sure that people and and just the stigma thing that you mentioned, too. It's so unfortunate that. Um, you know, and I, I think people need to remember it's just another system of your body, you know, and, and really, I or, I truly believe this, too. And people need to, you know, it's, if you had diabetes, is there shame, you know, if you're born with type 1 diabetes or whatever, is there shame in having to take insulin or, you know, whatever, watch your diet? It's the same thing with your emotional, mental, emotional system. And th- those are real. It's just another part of your body, part of the machine that needs to be taken care of. Um, but there's just something that, yeah, I think culturally... We just want to, you know, if someone needs assistance like that, is going through a tough time, it's just like, and I think that's, uh, hopefully it's changing. At least I'm hearing more and more discussion, at least about kind of the acceptance of it, that it's a real thing and you should go seek help. But it's almost like a a one, two thing, because like, you, you have this problem, whether it's anxiety or depression or whatever you're dealing with. And it's not your, you know, it's not your fault. Actually, that's, I'm going to quote another friend, um, uh, he says, you know, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility to get it taken care of or to, to work on it. You might not ever get a complete mastery of it. You know, if you're born with some kind of uh, physical issue, you may never completely recover from it, but you can you can improve your life circumstance and, and make things you can work your whole life at it. And um, so, yeah, but I think with mental health, it's the, the one two bang is that like, A, you're dealing with this and then you feel bad about yourself that you have it. So it's like you layer on your problems because society or family or whatever is, you know, uh, tell you you're not supposed to have these negative feelings. Um, And so you have to even get past that before you can deal with the real problem, you know. Um, And hopefully, I mean, the the message keeps going out there and hopefully it's it's sinking in, but it doesn't seem quick enough for my, you know, there's just still too much clearly from what we see going on. Uh, not, not, Not enough people are getting help that they need. Well, no, and it's weaponized in a way. You know, I mean, uh, I'm not sure I ever heard somebody 
say to someone else that's maybe not physically fit, you got cancer. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard that. You got heart disease, you know, as an insult. I never heard that. But boy, I sure have heard people say, you're mental. You're nuts. There's something wrong with you. You're a psycho. So they use the, the, a mental illness, a, a, a legit um, DSM qualified mental illness as an insult towards someone where I don't know, outside of obesity, people throw that around as an insult. I don't know that people flippantly use, you know, a, a, a medical uh, uh, diagnosis as an insult, um, unless you're wishing harm on someone. So yeah, you're right. And, and, you know, I blew off, I was supposed to get my neurological testing done for my, my, my brain. I blew it off because they, they, it was going to be a seven month wait. Now it's almost going to be that seventh month, three more months. I should have signed up for it, but I just couldn't wait any longer. It would have been over a year since the process started. So there's no access at times. And I know somebody else that's going through this. They had to wait five months to get, to get in. Um, how does somebody who's maybe suicidal wait five months? You can't, you know, that's just not right. Um, with me, it's just testing the, for my memory loss, but I didn't even, I, I don't have the patience to wait that long. So the hell with it. Cause it's not going to help you anyway. All they're going to do is tell you what it is. They can't fix it. So it's, it's, you know, um, in my case, whatever, but I, I got that sleep study coming up in June though, that I didn't blow off, but I'll tell you, yeah, it, it. I don't know what it's like in other countries. So you know, I don't live in other countries. I live here, but I do know that it it's a stigma, for sure. And I know based on the psychology that I've studied, I know people who would benefit by getting some treatment. Um, but you can't tell them that because these people that I know, because they, I, in certain instances, I've tried. Others, I don't even approach it anymore because. People get very violently um, defensive over that, and you know it's it sucks. But you know what, what can you do? <clears throat> we're you know we're stuck with that. Yeah, it's tough because it's like kind of an attack on your. People take it as an attack on because psychology is weird because it is who you are, you know your personality, um, your mind. You know, like I, I can separate like, oh, if I have stomach cancer, well, that's not me. You know, that's part of the machine that's breaking down or needs help. But when you start talking about someone's personality or their ability to control their emotions, that's you're, you're talking the core of their person, who, who they are. And that's very hard and very personal to broach that. Like God knows I try with you all the time, Tony. And, uh, <laughs> what do you mean? What yeah, are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know, but again, it's it's you can detach yourself from that too, because many times it's not like, it may not be your fault that you got stomach cancer, let's say, right? Sometimes it is your fault. If you're a smoker, you get lung cancer, but let, I don't want to get into that. The Pandora's box. And I, I'm speaking like just, uh, you know, hypothetically, but you know, sometimes things happen. Okay. Uh, maybe it was your environment growing up. Maybe it was life experiences. Okay. That, that cause your, personality uh to become almost defunct right so try to get it straight if you can um i know in psychology it's very it's it's tough to find someone that can reach you right uh not not all psychologists aren't the same true it's like 
when I mentioned earlier today about this Eric Braden, the actor, he had mentioned that he had gone to a urologist. He has prostate cancer, I think I mentioned. And he was having a hard time urinating thing. So the, the first, I mean, I got to gist that he didn't like his first urologist. And one day on the way to the studio, he had pain. He went to Cedars-Sinai Hospital. And luckily, he, he saw a doctor that is a pioneer in um, this um, Eurolift, it's called, uh, treatment for prostate uh, issues. And this guy right away found the problem uh, and, and knew immediately that he had cancer. And it was just a question of, is it, you know, high, you know, uh, high cancer or is it just, you know. So that's the same thing with psychology. And then I think in psychology, you know, it, it's so segregated or subsetted where you have your social workers and psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, the ordinary Joe, no offense, the ordinary Joe doesn't know, where do I go? You know, um, who do I talk to? And so that could be hard. And I know enough to know that, I mean, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but I know some of it is black, man. I don't know what the word, black magic. I don't know what the word would be, but, it's kind of like I just read something yesterday about 16 things that a person with a high EQ, emotional quotient, quotient has. And no, I don't agree with all of those 16 things. Things that they would say is what it was. No, it was a bullshit article. Um, so, you know, you just, I go back to, I studied REBT. We've mentioned this before. Albert Ellis, Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy. And for me, I don't practice what, what I preach all the time, but I believe in that. That's pretty much the closest that I've seen to being on. In essence, you're allowed to be mad, scared, you know, afraid, happy, um, you know, you're um, sad, but you cannot allow these things to over, be, you know, Madness cannot become rage. Sadness cannot become depression, so on. And I think that's that's good. I think that's a good barometer. Um, and I think you, as a psych, psychology patient, have to kind of put your doctor or your therapist, whatever, um, under a mic microscope too and watch what they say, okay? Um, I know what you're going through. If they say that, well, do you? How do you know what I'm going through? You know, those are those are signs of someone being detached. I don't know what you're going through. You know, even if we had the identical circumstance, you and I are different. So I don't know how you're processing it. So these are things that can push you away from your therapist or doctor or whatever. But not only that, could also be an indicator that the doctor or therapist really isn't on the ball because they wouldn't they wouldn't say that. Um, a better approach would be. Something happened to me, and this is exactly what happened to me. This would be the therapist speaking, and this is how I felt, and this is how I made my transition and, and journey through it to heal. Um, that's a good way of approaching it, right? Um, but we all are victim to cliches, right, or, or figures of speech, and you really have to be careful using them, even as us, as laymen, right, when we're giving advice to someone who's struggling emotionally. You have to be sympathetic. You may be able to use yourself as an example briefly,
but do not turn it into a story about yourself. This person doesn't want to hear about you right now. They want to get better. They want to feel better. So you have to really understand that. And that's why sometimes going to the wrong person for advice, and it could be somebody you know and trust, but they could be the wrong person to give you advice. It could make things worse. Uh, so it's a tricky thing. It really is. Un unlike you're bleeding out and it's obvious what's happening here, put a tourniquet on it, let's get it stitched up or whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's sometimes not that cut and dry. And, and a good therapist, we'll use that term, uh, will get to the root and it won't happen in one day. I mean, obviously it would take repeat sessions to finally get to the root of really what's behind your personality dis disorder here. What, what is it, you know, and the patient has to be as open as possible. If you close that door, they're never going to find out. Okay. Um, we're not machines, no matter how much we try to be like a car where you put it on the tester and it'll tell you what's wrong. They can read the code. Um, you've got to be open. And many times our issues are really deep seated. And what you think may be the problem, it, it really isn't. That's just a symptom of the problem. It, it's I'm long winded. I'll get off the subject, but um, it, it's a difficult field to to not only master. It's a difficult field for you to enter in as the patient. It's tough. Yeah, absolutely. There's no. It's like you said. It's no simple like a broken arm. You said it. Kind of <laughs> the human mind is so complex um, that and stuff gets buried and. In the approach to to get yourself healthier, to improve things, it's going to be, it's personal and different. And you're right, like that term, oh, I know what you're going through, I know how you feel, is really a, yeah, it, it was very common. I've heard that, you know, it's a, like you said, a cliche that's thrown out. It's just a terrible thing to say, because there's no way we can know what someone's going through. And, because um, everybody's different. But, yeah, and for me, like, Similar to the the thing that worked for you, I had a lot of benefit from cognitive uh, behavioral therapy, which I think is related to the. the oh, that's RABT is the forerunner of it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they give you tangible things. Do this when you go through this feeling. Go through these steps. Analyze it this way, which I like. It was very tangible. It was like concrete steps, and you start to uncover things when you go through that process. And it helped me a lot saying, oh yeah, I'm being unrealistic here. I'm exaggerating this. I'm working myself up about this. And over time, like you said, stuff is buried. You'd be like, oh, that I totally forgot that I went through this experience or this thing was said to me repeatedly as I was growing up, but that is there. Like it happens so fast that you don't even register that you remember that thing. And that maybe exacerbates whatever you're going through. So, um, but you slowly using those tools and those exercises start to be like, ah, I now remember that flashed in my head. When I heard this thing, I thought of this thing and they have nothing to do with each other, but, and it, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 yeah, you know, it's a, it's a web that you have to untangle sometimes to try and get control of it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and even trying to get help like you said, there's the added layer. A lot of times there's shame that's put on it, just trying to get help. But I guess the, my point is like, you know, if one process isn't working from you and you've spent some time working it through, you know, that that's not the time to give up. It's the time to maybe move on and try something different or try a new therapist or a professional. Uh, but yeah, definitely don't, uh, don't throw in the towel. 
Well, and also there are legitimate chemical issues in, in people where Absolutely, you know, yeah. certain medications are, are, are going to have to be employed and then it's a balance in finding the right ones and so on. Um, you know, so, sometimes therapy will only go so far. Conversely, sometimes meds will only go so far, right? So you may have to have a combination of both. Uh, and REBT or CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, that's strictly psychological. That's you, that you're in control of that. That's not medic, medic, medicine related. That's, oh, uh, you know, maybe you should eat healthier and all of that. But it's about using these principles, learning to breathe, you know, take a break, um, not expecting anything out of anyone. Uh, one of the the, the mantras is uh, or models in REBT is change the way you think and you'll change the way you feel. Um, I remember one of the examples that the instructor gave, one of the instructors gave was like, if you gave somebody a million dollars and they didn't say thank you and you got upset, it's on you. They don't owe you the thank you. I mean, you would expect that. It's common courtesy maybe, but they don't owe it. So now analyze yourself. Forget about analyzing them for a moment why they didn't say thank you analyze yourself why didn't you why did you get so worked up why why are you angry so obviously you gave them that million dollars not freely and clearly there was a string attached that you didn't even make uh, a note of that string was you expected a thank you you expected maybe a hug and a kiss whatever it was okay um and that's an extreme example but it it really is a thing, you know, um, that in REBT, you're supposed to be able to analyze it. I know that I have that problem. I do something and I expect something, not maybe, you know, tit for tat, but gee, a thank you or, hey, how you doing, Tony? How you feeling? You know, I, 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 kind, I, I wish that, but if it doesn't happen, then that, then you have to process that. You know, I do at least because I'm still at almost 60 years of age in that mode of expecting it and that's something that is a flaw in me i i I need to work on i i shouldn't expect that i shouldn't expect someone to drop by the house with with you know with a homemade pizza okay because it's and 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 honestly in that example i don't expect that so i i'm not disappointed (laughs) but you get my drift right so these are things that I would highly recommend everyone, you know, check out a book, go to a library or buy a book, Albert Ellis or whoever, delve into the cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I don't know so much about the YouTube videos on it. I I saw a couple a few years ago that I just, it'd be better to read a book, get the science behind it as opposed to like examples. And especially if it's a YouTube where there's comments, because then you're going to go down that rabbit hole where you don't you don't need to um just work on work on things um just like if you're overweight you know one thing your diet caused it so your diet can fix it all right i mean generally speaking 99% of the time it was your diet even if you were in an accident you couldn't work out anymore that still it's your diet you're dieting to the point where the food you're eating is putting on weight so you you have to alter it and the same thing with our psychological makeup. You know, the neurologist that I saw recently, well, always, all the neurologists have said the same thing. MRIs don't catch everything, okay? There's things that we just don't know, all right? And 
And sometimes it becomes a process of elimination or in certain instances, they never know, right? And until maybe you're, you passed away and they can do a, an autopsy um, for like confirming CTE. So we can't, I believe that we have to try to make our life as acceptable to ourselves, as, as happy as possible. And some people just tend to not know the difference. They become comfortable in the way they are, even if it's derogatory, like these people who are shooting people, driving up, knocking on their door or whatever. Uh, they probably don't see that they have a problem. They're used to it, okay? Um, and, you know, I don't want anybody that I care about to emotionally get to that point where they're so disgruntled that they just accept this as the way it is, Okay. I mean, I think a few podcasts ago, I made a comment about I'll probably be single the rest of my life. And that probably will be the case because I'm, I don't go out. I don't meet anybody. But I'm not disgruntled over it, right? I, I'm not going to alter my personality because of it. Um, if I meet somebody, terrific. It's just a question of now. I, I have to get things in order before I'm able to start going out again. Uh, and number one, it's my it's my health. So I'm focusing on something else. I'm not letting that beat me down and change me. So if anybody out there is going through certain griefs or obstacles, uh, you know, I've always said you can reach out to me. I'm not a licensed professional in that, but I'm a shoulder to, to lean on. But find someone or some group, therapy group. Maybe they have free me uh, you know, meetings, may even be via Zoom. But please check it out. Uh, don't hold it in. Just just as if you had a physical malady, you know, get it checked out. So that's, you know, that's all I could say on that. Well, I think that's kind of a, a heavy, profound thing to say. And I think it's a good way to wrap up this podcast, Tony. Uh, it was a good conversation. I think today we covered a lot of ground. Um, it was good talking to you. Good talking to you, too, always. and. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for watching and or listening, uh, whichever. Um, well, I guess you got to, if you're watching, you probably are listening, but some people just listen. Or I don't know, that's another subject. Can you listen? Can you watch and not listen? And can you listen and not watch? I don't know. Um, but anyway, thanks for being around and for sure we'll see you next week. And hopefully, Joe, there's no technical disruptions this time. We get this podcast uploaded. I'll try and, try and keep my drinking to a minimum. <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll see you. Thank you.